Uh, I am a family physician uh, by training. Uh, I had the pleasure of uh, serving in Hawaii for three years. It was tough. Someone had to do it. Um, that's where I did my residency. And uh, then was at Fort Benning, Georgia for about four years. Uh, I had five children and saw the handwriting on the wall that at some point I would be sent uh, for three to six months or more away from my family. Um, so went ahead and took an opportunity to go to um, Emory in Atlanta where I was on faculty for uh, 11 years uh, and then uh, came to Florida Hospital here in uh, the city beautiful Orlando. Uh, I didn't know the name of the city until about a year ago, uh, but it's the city beautiful. And I've been here for about three years. Um, I'm a recovering program director of about 10 years duration uh, and love uh, to teach and uh, share with you guys. I hope that our time this afternoon is not very one-sided, but there'll be uh, plenty of opportunity to share. And just for you know, those of you in the first two rows, this is the splash zone, uh, and things may get splashed. As long as you splash back, it's okay. <clears throat> All righty. Um, that's a little bit about me. I have been blissfully married. My wife made me sure and put that, uh, that adjective in there. Uh, she's not here to defend herself. Uh, I have five mostly grown children, and um, my eldest is a boy, uh, and then uh, four girls, and so blessed with uh, what the Lord has given us. I just want to say what a delight it is to be able to speak to a group of physicians, health professionals, who are coming together in a Christian atmosphere. Uh, as someone who speaks and trains and does things, you always have to be careful. You can give little hints, but you can't go overboard and say Jesus or things like that because you may offend people. Not that Jesus said we wouldn't offend people. Um, but it's a delight to be able to come and just uh, to come into a group with brothers and sisters and to share um, the Lord and what he has for us. Can I open with a word of prayer just real briefly? Father, thank you that you are passionate for us, that you're a good father. Uh, thank you for brothers and sisters. Thank you for the opportunity, as Solomon said, that as iron sharpens iron, so when, uh, we sharpen each other. Lord, I pray that you'd pour into our spirits um, more of your presence, uh, that as we rub against shoulders with each other, Lord, there'd be static electricity of the kingdom's presence, that we'd be able to electrify the environment around us with you. And Lord, we just want to make much of you this afternoon, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Alrighty, that's about me. What I really want to do is serve you guys uh, and be able to share a little bit of what I've done, what I'm currently doing. Uh, I am a journeyman apprentice on the journey that we're on, and there may be some master Jedi in the room who've got some things to share. Uh, I will occasionally be dropping Star Wars and Star Trek hints, so those of you <coughs> rock on, yeah, um, dilithium crystals and all that kind of stuff. Um, so our goals this afternoon, we want to identify some clinical opportunities to address spiritual issues uh, with our patients or just with each other. Um, identify three signals that it might be inappropriate to go, uh, to go there, as, uh, so to speak. And then create a clinical opportunity where we also can uh, have spiritual care for a patient encounter. Um, stirring the waters. Uh, in John chapter 5, uh, there was a miracle, and it happened in the midst of stirring the waters. So, I hope to stir the waters in your spirit. I hope to present the weapons of our warfare as mighty. Uh, it says in uh, 2 Corinthians 10 um, uh, that our uh, weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, we tear down all kinds of things that are out there. Uh, but our weapons are not iron and steel. It's getting down on our knees. Uh, it's reaching out and touching people. 
it's the things of the heaven that, uh, that Jesus showed for us. I hope to make much of Jesus. He's the one that we're all here about. And I hope that we can conspire together to advance his kingdom. It's interesting the word conspire. Con means with, spire, breathe together. So do this for me. Take a deep breath and breathe out. There, we just did it. There's one. N equals one, randomized to the treatment group, right? All righty. Some ground rules. In medicine, we use evidence-based medicine. Uh, we've got he uh, Harrison's, we've got Cecil's, we've got Swartz textbook of medicine, Nelson's. How many of y'all are in primary care? So family medicine, internal medicine, pediatrics. How about surgical subspecialties? Uh, dental folks? Any dentists in the room? Okay, we can talk about them then, huh? And uh, how about uh, uh, non-physician healthcare folks? Anybody? Okay, great. Um, this is a good reflection of the body of Christ. Our ministry textbook, obviously, is the Holy Word of God. It's interesting, it says in Hebrews 4.12 um, that uh, the, body, the, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's our textbook. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all Scripture is... God breathed is what it says in the King James. New, International, uh, New, excuse me, New International Version says that it's inspired. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What we're doing is equipping each other. And John 14, 26 says, the counsel of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I've said. I always wondered, how could guys who weren't trained go for pages of writing red in the Bible? Did they just like put the DVD in and start quoting, you know, Jesus? I think the Holy Spirit was bringing things to their remembrance. So the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, those are obviously teachers that we have. Some other ground rules. God is awesome. We know that. He's so much bigger than we can ask or imagine. Uh, in Job chapter 9, verse 8, it says, He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. I love where Jesus does something in the New Testament, and it doesn't seem to have a reference. Where did that happen in the Old Testament? You know, he's walking out on the water, tells Peter, come. He was already treading on the waves of the sea back in Job. Uh, the, there's a, a, a story, several stories, where Jesus takes bread and fish and multiplies it. Elisha did that in the Old Testament with just a hundred people. Um, what is he doing in our lives that's already been recorded in Scripture and he's just waiting for us to get out of the boat? Um, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31, you know this verse. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He wrote Cecil's. He wrote Harrison's. He knew all that stuff. And it goes on and it says, you know, uh, those who hope in the Lord or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar on wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. So who exactly is Jesus? I was like in my practice in my life when I'm not sure. I actually don't have a little band on, but WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? Uh, that's actually helpful for me to go back and see what would Jesus do. If in doubt of where we are, look at what Jesus does. It says in um, Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Uh, and it says in Colossians um, verses 1, it's chapter 1, verses 15 through 20, 
there's a large portion there. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. It goes on to describe all the things of what Jesus is. That's who we serve. My biggest brother is the richest Jew in the world. That's an interesting way of putting it. I like to use stealth Christianity where you say things like that. People think you're being culturally competent. Oh, yeah, he's really culturally competent. Just making a fact from our perspective. So it's important to know who Jesus is. We're actually going to get to praying with patience. I'm just laying a foundation here. Um, I like to also use the term faith synchronous. Uh, when I'm approaching a relationship with a patient, <clears throat> uh, it's helpful having taken a spiritual history. Are, are we at least in the same ballpark uh, with each other? <clears throat> So, for example, someone who might be a Southern Baptist uh, and a Presbyterian, they're going to be uh, faith synchronous in that they'll share the text, uh, the Bible together. You may even pray together. Someone who, for example, is a, J a Japanese person of Shinto faith uh, and a Jehovah's Witness probably are dissynchronous. Um, <clears throat> those of us who are from a Christian perspective, coming into maybe a Muslim perspective, uh, maybe uh, a Hindu or a Shinto or a, a Shinto or a Baptist perspective. Those are dissynchronous uh, faiths. It doesn't mean that God can't move into that situation, but it just helps me to identify, can I easily take a next step or should I just pause and wait and give God a chance with someone else? Um, so my focus today is to be focused on the faith synchronous interaction. We oftentimes are here things, well, you know, it's not appropriate to pray with patients. Oh, you can only do it in this situation. What if all the stars were in alignment? You know, everything was there. Everything was perfectly set up for you to take that next step. Have we done so? Uh, so let's do a quick poll of hands. Um, how many people in the past year have prayed with a patient? So I may be talking to the audience and then have you guys just come up and share. Um, how many of you um, are uh, regularly reaching out, being active in your community with um, what you do from a health perspective? So a lot of you. So why did you invite me to come, George? You guys already knew all this stuff, right? <clears throat> so I want to go on and share some of the things that I have found to be helpful. And then we'll also give you a chance. You may have something burning that you want to say or share. There will be opportunities. This is uh, participation as well, audience participation. So this is the perfect jewel. Yes, there's a patient who is the same faith or close enough to where you're coming from, has a spiritual need that you might not necessarily shoulder the entire burden, but you can at least speak into that person's light, uh, life with some light and the love of Christ. So uh, I love, um, you might know what the purple one is. What kind of stone is that? That's an amethyst. Um, how about the upper right corner, the green one? It's a trick question. It's a green amethyst. Uh, and then the bottom right-hand corner is not a sapphire, it's a blue topaz. Those are some of the ones that I like. They're beautiful and they're not quite as expensive as the, as the other ones and they're still, um, you can get them in their natural state. Um, I wanted to just show this because this is the perfect jewel when we get to that patient. <clears throat> so, we all know that they're gonna be M&M rounds, just like we have in surgery uh, and the times that perhaps we could have done something a little better. So no one can integrate medicine and ministry perfectly except our Lord Jesus. Heaven's expectation, though, is we give it a go, as they say in Great Britain. In Ephesians uh, chapter 2, everyone's familiar with verses 8 and 9. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It then goes on, the very next verse says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
which he's already prepared in advance for us to do. It's a setup. All we have to do is take that first step, assuming we're hearing correctly from the Lord. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. Uh, we're all familiar with the parable of the talents. What am I sitting on that God's given me that I've not invested? Have I just buried it in the ground? Uh, and this is for me the scary part. What am I not stewarding? And am I going to be accountable for something later on? Uh, I have cautiously taken the tact I would rather try and fail than have not tried. I believe God's big enough to, to clean up any mess that I make. Uh, most of us oftentimes, well, I'll say most of us, a lot of us don't, we're, we're timid. And then you think three days later, I, I should have said that. Um, I had a patient um, who I've cared for for about three years. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm on the tail end of a cold now. Uh, who. Um, has got really, really bad diabetes, heart disease, all kinds of stuff. And I've, I just decided recently that I was going to start helping him with his chronic pain. And um, he saw me about a week ago. Uh, and I have um, shared with him a little bit. And he's actually sharing more his faith with me than I am with him. Got a call Monday that he had been found dead at home. And, oh, you know, it's like, oh, uh, wow. Um, and it's still, it's not raw, but it's still fresh. But it made me think, what could I have, did I do anything? Did I not do something that I should have done to touch him? Did I do something, not so much medically, but just uh, in confirming and affirming who he was? He was always coming in, giving me the Jewish Aaronic blessing, you know, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Except he'd write it out in Hebrew and given it to me. What are the things that we're sitting on uh, that God wants us to kind of move forward with? Um, so I just want to encourage us to move forward. <clears throat> We've already answered that one. You guys answered it very well. Uh, there are three preconceptions I want to address. Number one, it's not your role as a physician to provide spiritual. You shouldn't pray with patients. There's books out there, and we know that it's out there. Um, and I, um, I understand where people are coming from, and I think probably in a lot of situations, it's not appropriate. But again, perfect gem, perfect storm, when it is appropriate, do we step in and minister or do we shrink back? As it says, we don't want to be those who shrink back, but we want to be those who are stepping forward. Uh, I'm not credentialed for this procedure. Uh, I know, at least in family medicine, I did my, military I did my residency in the military. We didn't have a lot of joint problems. If you had chronic arthritis, you weren't in the military. So I graduated from my residency having done maybe three to five knee injections, maybe two to three shoulder injections. Uh, when I left the military, I was doing two to three knee injections almost every day, coming into an older practice uh, in Atlanta. And there were a lot of things I had been sending out to people, carpal tunnel. I said, oh, I can do a carpal tunnel injection. Uh, oh, I can inject that. And so stepping in as the Lord gives us teachers, colleagues in our life, people who sharpen our blades. It's interesting when blades sharpen, what happens? Well, sparks fly. Sparks are going to fly, uh, but the blade gets sharper in that fashion. So, and then the third thing, I don't have enough time. Uh, how do you spell time? Uh, excuse me. <laughs> I, I, I ruined my punchline. <clears throat> how do you spell love? T-I-M-E. Uh, we are told to love each other, and yet for me, at least my family, the, the most challenging thing I have is just sitting down and sharing with people, I care for you. And oftentimes it's like St. Francis of Assisi said, preach and when necessary use words. 
just sitting down and being with somebody probably is 85 to 95% of the battle for me. <clears throat> what about this first one? So it's not our role. Who wrote the greatest portion of the New Testament? Well, it's actually Luke. Uh, how many people knew that? Anybody? A few? Yeah. So, and for the doubters in the audience, because I know there's a Thomas or two out there. So there's the actual word count. So Luke, the physician, wrote the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, for a total of just under 50,000 words. Look at all those epistles, incredible amount of epistles. We'll even throw a, I'll give you Hebrews, even, even though I don't necessarily believe it's Paul. We'll give it to you. Uh, it's still only 40,000 words. What's your point, Eddie? Why are you saying that? Well, because Luke was one who invested in the kingdom. And it's interesting, around uh, Acts chapter 16, as you read through, Luke is documenting, they did this, they did this. In the middle of uh, chapter 16, there's a word in there that changes, and it's we. You can see where he comes in, and now he's writing about what he did with Paul. Uh, that's neat. I want to be in the we uh, portion. I just want to be in the room with you, Jesus, when you heal somebody. I just want to be in the room when you change someone's life. I just want to rub up against you. Can I just be there? Um, anyone read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Uh, raise them high. Come on, I can see them. Uh, so Aslan. Aslan's the big, great lion. Uh, in the first book, there's this wicked witch, not of the West, but just this, uh, the, wick, the wicked witch, and she has the ability to freeze creatures. Aslan, in saving the land, comes in and he breathes, he breathes on the statues, and they come back to life. And there's this smaller lion that as soon as he comes back to life, he's jumping all over uh, and around Aslan. He's rubbing up against him. He's, he's purring. He's doing all this stuff. And I'll, I'll be a little transparent. As a guy, those aren't things I naturally, oh, oh yeah, let's go be buddy-buddy with Jesus. And he's holy and mighty, and he's up there. But he also wants to be with us. And to be able to rub up against him, to rub against Paul like, like Luke did, that's kind of where we want to be. At least that's where I want to be. It's interesting in the Old Testament, <clears throat> if you had a rash, if you had an illness or something, and it didn't get better over a period of time, what were you supposed to do? You present yourself to the priest. There wasn't a physician. It was a priest. And then the priest determined, do this. You know, go put this poultice on or wear this. And if it gets better in seven days, you're good. If not, he was actually the one assigning isolation, so to speak. So to me, that's a joint ministry of medicine and the ministry of the Lord. Yes, there are those who are formally trained. We go to medical school. That's a good thing. We go to seminary. That's a good thing. But there's not a, a you know, Grand Canyon divide between those. There's an opportunity for us to go back and forth and work, work together. Uh, where we are at Florida Hospital, we're blessed because each of the floors in the hospital has got its own chaplain. And then in the clinic, we have the opportunity to have a chaplain come over uh, and help us if we don't either have the, the time or the ability or the training to be able to minister to folks. Did the word count there. <clears throat> what about the last one? Um, I don't know how to do this or I'm not credentialed. Well, as with other pre, uh, procedures, what do we do? See one, do one, teach one, right? Um, so have you seen when you were in med school, or where, where was the first time, when was the first time you saw someone as a physician pray with someone else? Anybody? Med school? Where'd you go to med school? So Loma, so Loma Linda creates that environment. Awesome. Anyone not in med school see that? Which residency did you go to? Or what type of residency? That's fantastic. Yeah. The VA environment, I think, because you're dealing with people who've been in the military, is a much more open environment. People shoot bullets at you. You want to get close to God. Um, so 
what about others with procedures? Well, the work of the fivefold ministry, as we read about in Ephesians, is to build up the church. It's not to put all the fivefold ministers up on the, the front stage and have them do it. It's for us to get out there to prepare God's people for works of service. We talked about works of service in Ephesians 2, 10 uh, before, that they're things that God uniquely designed each of us to do. Uh, so in some measure, we are indeed credentialed. <clears throat> what about I don't have time? Um, neither do I, yes, we, we know that. Um, is ministry or is this ministry or service important? Yes. Uh, I remember one time, um, my second or third year out of residency, um, this is a while back in the 90s, um, I had a patient who came in who was just, I mean, her heart was raw right in front of me. And I could have just gone and said, well, here's your medicine for your osteoarthritis. I said, no, I got to go there. Um, and so we shared a little bit. Um, I shared some scriptures with her. I prayed with her. And is very common. Um, she was, you know, crying. Um, but it was a therapeutic type of uh, interaction. And after that, was just very, very thankful. And I'm thinking, oh, great. I got two or three people. Are, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, behind. I walk out, you know, and uh, I turn, and my next two patients are no-shows. Hmm. Hmm. So God was waiting for me to step in, and maybe I passed in some small measure. There's plenty of opportunities where I have not passed. I've got a, he's got a flat spot on his forehead from going, oh, no, Eddie did it again. Um, so uh, we do want to say that the ministry is of eternal significance. Um, can we just find one person a day to touch for the king? And that doesn't necessarily mean you got to pray with them and spend 15, 20 minutes. It can just be a simple, God bless you. I like to give the guys... Um, I can with you. Well, you're closer over here. So Edwin, I'm going to do this. Hey, how you doing? Give him a little bicep squeeze, you know, guys, as we do that. Yeah. And it's not just a little pat, it's a squeeze. Um, it gets your attention, and it also, you know, guy, guy kind of thing. What do we do that way spiritually to each other? Real blessed in our residency program that um, there's a tradition that, I don't know how long it's been there, uh, we do a devotion at the beginning of our faculty meeting. Uh, and it's a great time just to kind of float some things out on the water, not being too um, in your face with anything because we have a lot of, probably half our faculty are people of faith, of Christian faith, and the other half are uh, um, maybe close observers. Uh, and so you don't want to scare people away at the same time. We got to keep, I'm a big fisherman. If you're going to catch fish, you got to keep throwing bait in the water. You don't catch fish with them just jumping out of the water. Um, so even Jesus said, just throw the net on the other side of the boat. Try a different technique. You never know. And then you get 153 fish. Uh, so can we find a person every day? Um, slow down and or start slow and taper. If we haven't done it, we think, oh, I've got to set up my entire clinic. I've got to have all the staff, all these things. If you just do one little thing consistently, that creates uh, spiritual momentum uh, and is sufficient for the kingdom including our staff. So Jesus had a team of 12 people on his dream team. Maybe we could just get the eight or 10 folks who work around us. Some of the more effective ministers may not even be the physicians. It may be that nurse or that MA or that staff member. Uh, anyone, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, guy that used to live down here in uh, Kissimmee is a family doc. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, uh, I'll remember it as soon as I step out the door. Uh, he, his practice was um, the nurses would come. Excuse me? Yeah, uh, Walt Laramore. There you go. Thank you. So Walt, he now works with Focus on the Family now. Um, he would, uh, his, his nursing staff was trained that if they sensed that there was something else going on, 
they would put what is God doing, W-I-D-G, on a sticky on the door. And so as he went, he came into that room, he already saw mm, spiritual radar, something's going on. He would be able to you know, take care of the patients, hypertension, diabetes, whatever it might be. But also would just gently, is there something we can help you out with? And if there was the torrent, the water flow was coming, he simply excused himself and his nurse staff come in and boom, they took care of it. He was able to continue to see patients on time. He also had a network set up. So if someone was from a spiritual perspective, just like you do a cardiology consult, he did a Presbyterian consult or an Adventist consult or a Catholic consult or whatever to be able to plug them in in the community. I thought that was fantastic that you don't have to do it. In fact, you're not designed to do it all. There's only one person who's ever had the entire presence of the Holy Spirit in his body. If you and I had it be like holding a fire, you know, like a, a 5,000 volt electrical cord, you know, you'd hold it for about two or three seconds and you just boom, spontaneously explode. Um, so God was, Jesus was designed to do that. We're designed to do it together as a team, helpers. Anybody doing patient-centered medical home? It's that team medicine, right? Uh, so there's a thought. <clears throat> we want to go ahead and identify some clinical opportunities to address spiritual issues. Has anyone been on a medical missions trip? Probably almost everyone in this room has. Um, one of the, the delights I have on a missions trip, almost every single patient you come through and see is when you ask them, can I pray for you? They're, yes. And oftentimes it's yes, and they're holding their hands out, please pray for me. Uh, versus in America, you have to develop this careful relationship, kind of gently backdoor, sneak a few hints in there, and finally you get to the point of, um, you know, can I pray for you? So that's an easy way if you haven't done that before. We went to Liberia uh, back in February, and there were three of us, myself and two residents, um, Alice Park and Will Dean Lomany, all three of us people of faith, and we saw 697 patients in three days. <clears throat> The reason we saw so many people is, as you know, most of them are healthy. They just needed to check, and you're alive, and here's some vitamins, and here you go. But every single person that I saw, I was able to bless in the Lord's name. Uh, and it was just very refreshing to, to have that. And you come back to the States, and you almost have to think, oh, yeah, I'm here in the States. I can't do that with everyone. But why not? Am, am I? I've seen the enemy, and he's me. Um, so it's a challenge to me and to us there are things that are on those missions trips that we can take home and at least um, uh, plant as seed. Uh, the U.S. doctor, the dentist, frequently is spiritual bait. They hear the American doctors are coming and people come from all over the place. They're waiting three or four hours to see you and to see me. We see them for two minutes, give them some vitamins, and, and that's it. So it's an opportunity to kind of really just invest um, in uh, the kingdom of God. I want to share this with you. Anybody a member of Christian Medical and Dental Association, CMDA, are familiar with that? Um, anyone seen one of these? The Evangicube. <clears throat> so, uh, I am not going to be able to do this with two hands easily, but this transcends language, and they actually have one of these that's about, about this big. <clears throat> so, um, there is darkness in your life, and there's light in the kingdom of heaven. It opens up. Jesus hung on the cross, died for your sins and my sins. <clears throat> he was buried in a tomb that was guarded by the Roman soldiers. <clears throat> he then rose from the dead. And he's made a way from, uh, for us to get from darkness into light <clears throat> and have fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. There's, and he, what you do is you just put this out on the counter and the kids start playing with it, then invariably someone says, what is that? Ding. Oh, since you asked, let me tell you about that. 
Uh, and, and there you go. Um, so we, would, we always bring those when we get to go on uh, medical missions trips, and it's neat to see how many people, even through a separate language, they're nodding the whole time, and then you ask them, would you like to receive the Lord? And they go, yes. And you go, wait a minute. That was too, let me explain it again. And they go, yeah, no, no, I got it. I, I, I want to be you know, in his kingdom. So that's a neat tool that you can use. Uh, other places we can address um, spiritual issues. How many of you do hospital medicine work or in the hospital? Uh, and then in the clinic? So a little bit more people in the outpatient than the inpatient realm. Um, the clinic obviously is a place. One of the hospitals here at Florida Hospital, excuse me again, uh, our Apopka Hospital um, on the north side of town about Two years ago, Jason Salagabong, I'm not sure if he's here or not. Um, you wouldn't miss him. He's about this tall. Uh, Jason is uh, the chief of their medical staff, and they had a suggestion that when people come into the hospital as part of their uh, sign-in materials, that they be given this prayer band, and it says, if you would like to be identified as someone who would be willing to be prayed for, just simply put this over your wrist, and as we come around on rounds, we'll know oh, you'd like us to pray for you. It almost takes away the whole tension of having that discussion. The patient's already said, yes, please pray for me. Uh, now, we realize we're preaching to the choir. Um, that's someone who is probably already in the kingdom of God, but great place to practice, great place to identify uh, someone who can be blessed. Obviously, the emergency department, the OR, the wards, there can be some challenges with that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. The dental clinic, hospice, a lot of times people have, you know, uh, come to the end of their line, and suddenly they're now more attuned to, I, I need to listen to what my heart is telling me. Um, health fairs, another great place to kind of just raise some issues. Faith flags, this is a faith flag. You're just putting something up there, waving the flag. Uh, anyone heard that term before? So a few people, are you CMDAers as well? Okay. Uh, so it's not my term, it's something that someone else has used. Uh, but faith flags are static items that you just put on display and they speak uh, of heaven's love. Require very little effort on our part. You just put them out there. Um, so some examples, artwork in the waiting room. How many people have seen that picture? Yeah. <laughs> At Florida Hospital, there are pictures like this all over the hallways. It's incredible. You don't even, you almost have to kind of, okay, it's there. I need to give people some breathing room. Um, but the artwork that's there, a symbol on your lapel, a lot of people wear Christian jewelry. A non-provocative phrase like, thank you, Lord. Not thank you, Lord, or some type of, you know, um, people will, will take the name of the Lord's vein, uh, the name of the Lord in vain. So this is an example. Jesus Christ. And I will say, he's listening. And they'll go, what? And I said, yeah, you just called Jesus Christ. He's, he's listening. Can you call Buddha's name next time? Or maybe someone else? And so I step into that, um, there's a proverb, uh, it says, uh, like muddied uh, water or polluted spring is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. So it's a very non-provocative, well, it's, it, maybe it's a little provocative, um, but I'm not you know, calling down fire and brimstone like the uh, John and uh, James, but it's just a, okay, thank you, Lord, and I mean it, versus uh, it's just a, a phrase. Uh, so that's a simple faith flag. We talked about this. A lot of um, your clinics, my clinics and hospitals have got artwork. And you put a little verse down there and the heavens declare the glory of God. Yes, I go out at night and I look up and I'm, I'm there. Um, I love to tell fish stories. 
And like I was joking earlier about, you know, you know, all the different things that Jesus did, the very first four apostles were what? Fishermen, yeah, so it justifies my existence. No, um, it actually gives me opportunities sometimes when I'm telling fishing stories with people. Uh, isn't it neat the way God put those brilliant colors on the dolphin like that? It's just fantastic. And I will sometimes get, oh, okay, that's kind of nice. Okay, I'm done. I don't need to push any further. Yeah, then you step into that. Uh, so those are ways to kind of backdoor, kind of bring um, the kingdom uh, to, the to the discussion. We talked about the Evangel Cube. What are some other faith flags that you all may have in your practice or things that you do that may be open doors for you? Audience participation ensues now. Excuse me? Available magazines, great. Um, this one right here, Medical Evangelist. Um, I hadn't seen that before, I read that. When I was in the Salvation Army, they had one that was out there and they would always give it for free. When they'd ring the bell, sometimes you get a free literature. Right, so for the people who are listening, um, uh, Christian reading materials, magazines, uh, small brochures, um, using things that the NIH has deemed as helpful um, to include prayer. Um, those are great ways. Anyone else got any ideas? So, yes. So, a comment. So, one of my favorite things that uh, I'm sure any of you who take care of kids, this has happened. Um, little Johnny was sick two days ago, and it takes mom a day or two to get an appointment. And she comes in, and by the time she comes in, she says, well, he was really sick, and now he's better. And that could be almost a, a gouge at you that you didn't see Johnny yesterday. I always just say, isn't it neat the way God designed our bodies to naturally heal themselves? And I get, oh, yeah. Or usually it's a neutral to slightly positive response. Sometimes it's just, you know, whatever. Um, but that's a, a way of, of just a comment. And I have to be careful when I use that. I like to use it more when I know someone. Um, but faith flags are very important. Now, there are danger moments. Danger, Will Robinson, danger, lost in space. So some danger. When would it be inappropriate to address spiritual issues? So someone who comes for an acute care visit, they just sprain their ankle, they're in urgent care. Your lead statement may not be, well, tell me what brings you spiritual sustenance, you know, and the bone's sticking out. What are you talking about spiritual sustenance? Um, it could be a, a thing if you get to it, but acute care visit, you may not want to lead that as your ace of spades. Some people in the electronic medical records, people are filling them in now. You can put in different prompts that just kind of um, people fill out if it, they check a box. Would you like your physician to pray for you? Boom, it comes out when you're on the receiving end, you see that. Um, and when you're performing a spiritual history and your questions fall dead in the water, do not pass go, do not collect $200. You can just say, that's not the right time. Thank you. you uh, I remember being out in uh, Montana back in um, January and there was a rock shop and I was trying to find a geode. Uh, and I went in and I talked to the guy behind the desk and. He said, yeah, here's a geode right here. I said, hey, are you a person of faith? And he said, well, not really. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, okay, where do I go with this conversation and not make it awkward? Um, but that to me was a time when that's as far as I needed to go. I had another gentleman I was out uh, jogging about two years ago. Uh, and I was on the trail just like that. I'm, I hear this guy coughing. I go by him. I come back. He's coughing and coughing. And I felt like the Lord told me, you should go and ask for that, ask that guy if he wants to be prayed for healing. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I don't know him. He doesn't know me. And I got about another 50 yards, and I just, you know, this hook is trying to pull me back. I said, fine, all right. If I mess up, you're going to have to take care of me. 
So I went back, and he, was, he wasn't at all terrorizing kind of looking individual. He just was sitting there. Um, homeless people in Orlando oftentimes look better because there's no cold weather, and their clothes stay well longer, and they present themselves well. But his name was Thomas. I didn't say Doubting Thomas, but that was his name. I asked him, you know, hey, I've, been, you know, I've seen you a few times. Um, do, you, do you mind if I pray for you? And he said, no, go ahead. So I started praying for him, and then I said, well, do you mind if I touch you? And he said, yes. And I was thinking, oh, yes, please do it. And I started to do it. He said, no, no, get away from me. And I'm like, okay, well, done. So uh, making sure that it's an appropriate situation, um, and I have that still fresh in my memory that when I pray for people, I, maybe I shouldn't touch them. As a physician, it's easy to touch because people expect that. In a non-physician environment, sometimes we carry that with us. I'm still the physician. No, you're not. They don't know that you're a physician. Um, so make sure that uh, you are listening to um, the Lord and then doing things appropriately. Don't minister to a trapped person. So if they've just been newly diagnosed with cancer, oh, I got them. They got to come to heaven now or that's it. That's probably not the best time. Uh, someone who's getting ready to go to surgery, I remember someone sharing this. Um, a patient had a great interaction with their surgeon. Uh, we're looking forward to the surgeon because, uh, surgery because this was a, a great doc to do their surgery. And right when they were in a pre-op area, before they put them to sleep, the surgeon came up and said, can I pray with you? And then didn't listen, just jumped right in to pray for him. And the guy is an agnostic at best, very, very strong atheist. And he was like, well, what do I do now? Do I get a new surgeon? Or I? He was trapped. So make sure that you address those things in appropriate fashion. Um, the dentist art here, that's why if you're in the dental chair, don't you love it when people talk? Or you got a little bit of water you know, in the back of your throat and you're trying to swallow and you can't, the little sucker thing's not there. So when you're in the dental chair, might not be the best time to try and minister to someone. Um, some be carefuls. You have a new patient to your practice. Uh, they're coming in for a chronic disease. They, they got diabetes attention. So they got high, you know, they're obese, they got uh, hypertension, they got diabetes. They're not going anywhere. They're going to come back. They need their refills. They need their creatinine checked. That's something that you can follow up with those folks. Um, we've all heard this quote uh, that people don't care how much you know until you know how much they know how much you care. Uh, my adaptation for the kingdom is people don't want to be preyed upon. They want to be cared for before being prayed for. So care for them. Establish that relationship first before um, you move into a spiritual uh, situation. It's interesting. All the people Jesus healed... How many of them came and followed him? 5%, 10%? I heard one. So with the lepers, it was a 10% capture rate, right? He healed 10. Nine went off, and only one came back to say thank you. Um, interesting. So Jesus was ministering to their bodies first before speaking to their spirit, and the ones that followed him were few. Uh, people who are faith dyssynchronous, you may not necessarily... Um, want to minister or to pray with that patient. Sometimes you can't. I had uh, done this twice now. Um, just this past week, one of the residents had a patient who, she looked Latina to me. And she was a level four visit, so Dr. Eden, we gotta come in and see this CMS uh, patient so we can build a level four visit. And she was talk talking about all her issues and she was mentioning how she volunteers at the Jewish um, Recreation Center or something that was related to the Jewish faith. Uh, and then later on again, she said something Jewish, and I had assumed she was Latino, perhaps Catholic. And so I just said, are you from the Jewish faith? Yeah, okay. Well, I went back and we did some things, and at the very end, I just said, may Jehovah Shalom give you peace and be a blessing to you. 
there. You're you know, culturally competent in multiple different things. And her face just lit right up. So a lot of folks believe the same thing in the Old Testament. Just go back there and quote things from the Old Testament that people from the Jewish perspective will also um, be blessed from that. <clears throat> people who have obvious lifestyle choices um, need, th that are challenging need tender care. You have to be very careful. And this is holy ground as you come in, as we move from just taking a pill to I'm going to touch your spirit. It doesn't get any more transparent than that. So those are some things to be careful about. <clears throat> the way that I go about doing an informed consent for prayer. Yes, sir. So for the tape, it was someone sharing about, as a surgeon, praying for people ahead of time. The example that I gave, um, the surgeon asked the question, but then didn't give the person an opportunity to say no. They just jumped right in. It sounds like you're very gently coming in and saying, can I pray for you? And having been Blairsville, Helen, Dahlonega, where are you out in North Georgia? Uh, Blue Ridge. Blue Ridge. Um, I love to go up there and do trout fishing. So yes, you're right. You're, you know, well, it may be a good time to let them, this is serious. Um, it, it is important. Um, I'm going to be God's instrument, hopefully. Uh, and I'm sure you talk about the informed consent, the risks and that kind of stuff. Um, but, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> well, some people are going to have malignant melanomas, um, or they're going to have, uh, we have a gentleman that, okay. <laughs> work with me, work with me here. <laughs> um, I still think it's important anytime you step into a surgical environment. Now, you're right. Um, that being a dermatologist, it would be unusual that you know someone would have like a poor outcome in the next day or two. It can happen. Um, I really again want to echo what I heard you doing. Those sound and just from the demeanor that I sense, you're a gentle person. You're coming in, not like I'm gonna do this. Here it comes. Hold on. You know, put your seatbelt on, but very gently partnering with someone coming up beside them. Um, that's what I heard, and I think that's that's always going to be a good thing to do. Yes. So it's my custom to pray before surgery. Would you offer a prayer? That's a, another way of doing that. Yes. Was there another comment over here? No. Okay. Uh, All righty. <clears throat> um, my process for doing an informed consent. I have a very quick four-step process. It takes me about. Uh, five to eight seconds. So, uh, and I'll do it with you guys. Um, are you people of faith? Yes. Most people, 60 to 80 percent of people, will answer that yes. I'm a, a person of faith. In fact, depending on the study, 60 to 80 percent of people will want you, their physicians, to address their spiritual needs and pray with them. So, I heard the yes. If I heard the no, like the guy with the geode, I'm done. I'm not going to do any further, but yes, I'm a person of faith. Oh, uh, what kind of church do you go to, or what type of you know, faith environment did you grow up in? Yes, sir. Like here, so that's a great point. You know, do you believe in a higher power? From where do you get your strength? There's the hope mnemonic that's out there. There are a lot of different things that are out there. Um, so what is your faith tradition? Uh, it allows them to identify, well, you know, I'm Adventist, or I'm Catholic, or you know, um, I'm Jewish, or whatever it might be. If their faith synchronous with you, then you can go to the next step. Well, how often do you go to church? And that kind of gives you a sense of how devout they are. Uh, and if I get a sense, well, I just go twice a year, you know, Easter and Christmas. Isn't that when the doors are only open? Um, anytime they're giving out candy or presents, I'm there. 
So, uh, and if there's a relative amount of devotion that's there, then I will say, well, can I pray with you? Rather than, let me pray with you. Let me pray with you, here it comes. Can I pray with you? And then pausing, as you said, to kind of give them a chance to fill in the blank. Uh, so you always want to be careful of the power differential as a physician. Usually I'm sitting down and get down to people's level, or I'll put them up on um, uh, the table, and because I'm a little bit shorter individual, when I'm in a chair, I'm actually looking up to them. Uh, so make sure that when you get to this area, you're not, <coughs> are they going to come back and see you next week? Or are you doing something that now that's the end of the relationship? You want to continue to partner with them. But that's the four steps that I use. In the handout that's there, I think <clears throat> the second page, yeah, second page for those of you who are engineers or need an algorithm, there's an algorithm for you that kind of walks through it <clears throat> as well. And there it is. And so to blow it up, um, are you a person of faith, yes or no? What church do you attend or what's your faith tradition or do you have a higher power? Um, and then stepping on down through there. Uh, we have the ability to offer chaplain services as necessary. And one of the things our, ch uh, our almost said our church, our hospital does, it's neat. When you're discharged from the hospital, they always, in addition to the paperwork, they offer a discharge blessing. Would you like a discharge blessing? Oh, what is that, like a 10% discount? Well, what's a discharge blessing? Uh, and so it gives the chaplains an opportunity. And oftentimes the chaplains have been rounding and they already know they've established a relationship. Um, so just some thoughts there. There's some general scriptures uh, that I like to just, uh, if I, in doubt someone wants just to be prayed for, uh, I love Psalm 27, 13, and 14. It says this, um, and there's a song that goes with it, but I'm still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and take heart, and wait for the Lord. Third uh, John 2, John starts out uh, his uh, third epistle with, Brothers, I wish above all things that you'd prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Uh, psalm 91, the whole thing, I'm not going to quote it to you, but that's a very song, a strong psalm. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And don't forget any of his benefits. He forgives your sins. What's the next one? He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from your pit, uh, from the pit. So someone who's got some issues with depression, do they feel like they're in the pit? There it is. Uh, he crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things, so that you, those who are older than 50, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Um, I love those type of scriptures. Um, some, and we'll, we'll go through some of these other ones later on uh, as we uh, get some more specific examples. So pray the word of God. I always, uh, with someone of faith, I will write a prescription, and I'll also get a prescription pad, and I'll put relevant scriptures on the prescription pad, and then, <clears throat> how many people have electronic medical records? So these are kind of becoming somewhat extinct, but back in the day, I'd, you know, here's your prescription for your fluoxetine, 20 milligrams, and here's your prescription from the Word of God. Quote these three times a day, uh, or with your Motrin, whatever it would be, uh, and I encourage people to write them out on three by five cards. That way they're always available. And at some point they get memorized and at some point they go from here to here. And then at some point they don't need uh, a text. It's already there and it's in their heart. So um, really getting the word of God um, and praying it is a very effective thing. And we'll give you some examples. Praying for blessing and medical insight, like going before a surgery. Um, inviting other people in the team. Uh, can you come and would you like to pray with us? So a chaplain or a family member, 
physically positioning yourself, I mentioned that as well. Uh, may I hold your hand? You always want to be careful about that before you touch someone, not as a physician, but as a minister. Are you uh, doing that appropriately? <clears throat> now, balance is very, very important. You are here, uh, somewhere out there in the mil middle of the um, Milky Way. And what about, you know, Paul said to Timothy, hey, take some wine for your irritable bowel syndrome. I mean, for your stomach and frequent illnesses. Um, Lazarus got to die twice. How about that? And Elisha. Now, Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. Hmm. Here's a guy that did twice as many miracles as Elijah, but he was suffering from... I don't know answers for this. I just know that we've been given permission to pray and to expect God to do good things for people. Um, so I always want to provide balance that's out there. <clears throat> uh, uh, in uh, Philippians 3, 12 through 16, it talks about pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verses 15 and 16 are very neat. It says, and those who mature in Christ should take, should take such a similar view. And if on any point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let's, let us live up to what we've already obtained. So whatever measure of faith, of praying for people you already have, stay there and then keep building on that. Um, we are seated with him in heavenly places. Yeah, but our feet are still on the earth. Uh, the concept of the not yet, but already. He's, he's made us perfect in the heavenlies, but we're still being made holy here on earth. Uh, there's a tension that's there, and we need to keep pressing in. I know I'm getting short on time. I want to uh, mention a few things here. So, again, here's the perfect situation. How would it, what would it look like? So, how many people have seen this? 37-year-old female presents with sharp stabbing, sternal chest pain, and anxiety. Anybody does primary care? That's a very common scenario. You establish medical excellence first. It's not hyperthyroidism, your heart's okay, you're having palpitations, um, do you need to do a cardiac workup? Assuming all that's negative, are you a person of faith? Yeah, I am. Um, what kind of church do you go to? Well, I'm Baptist. Um, how often do you go? Well, two or three times a month. Um, would you mind if I pray for you? Well, sure, thank you. And then stepping in, um, these are the prayers I commonly pray, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Um, <clears throat> rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, I'm praying. But with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, whatever is true, and, and just going on and quoting those. You don't have to quote them. You can just have them you know, in little cheater cards as well. 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Um, and just the, the Psalm, 23rd Psalm. Those are all things that you can just have ready uh, so that when there's an opportunity, you have to be careful that their faith is not in you, but it's in the Word of God. So you've prayed it, but then you've written it and say, here, here's your take home. Here's your Prozac, but you know what? This may be even more important. Uh, so that's something, uh, those are some, um, some examples there. Um, we've talked about general health. I love um, my Adventist brothers and sisters because of the pursuit of health and wholeness and how do we not use the drugs but use the things God's given us. I mean, there's so much that's in there. Um, Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercies, present your bodies a living sacrifice. You know what the problem about the living sacrifice is? When you put it on the, on the altar, it keeps wanting to get off and go do its thing again. You gotta keep sticking it up there every day. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received? You are not your own. You've been bought with the most precious commodity in the universe, the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, 
That was a little addition there. Therefore, honor God with your body. We talked about um, 3 John and uh, Psalm 27. Health in old age. Psalm 92 says, they will still bear fruit in old age. They will be fresh and green. And uh, I love this prayer, Moses' prayer over the tribe of Asher. I had a woman I saw just two days ago who had some, uh, she's a person of faith, she had some knee pain. I thought she had some mild osteoarthritis in her knee. The first part of this verse said, your gates will be like iron and bolts of bronze. Said, here's your, your gates are like iron and bolts of bronze. There's your titanium knee. And your strength will equal your days. If you get to be 92 years old, you want to be just as strong as you are right now when you get to be I love things like that. They're buried in the Old Testament. You go, I didn't know that was in there. And that's one of the things I used to pray for folks. Uh, Caleb and Moses were 120 years old. Check out Caleb. Give me the mountains where the giants are. This guy's 80 years old, and he said, I want that. Um, that's the way I want to be when I get in, you know, I'm not anywhere near there now, but uh, when I get there. Uh, some quotes of note, and we're getting to the end here. Glance at the business, gaze at the king. Uh, and just focusing on the Lord and how awesome he is, yes, that's there, but then gazing at the king. Um, singing is like praying twice. Uh, George Guthrie gave that quote, and I love that. You can pray, but if you sing your prayers, you get like double credit in heaven. <clears throat> How do you spell love? I mentioned this already, T-I-M-E. Uh, James, this is the last scripture I'm going to close with. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Most of us, we're not at a place of confession. One of the things the Catholic Church does really well is you go to confession. <sighs> you get the junk off. But confessing our sins to each other and praying for each other so that we may be healed. As we're trying to pray for healing and do all these things, if we're carrying around baggage, oftentimes that's where there's some challenges. The prayer of a righteous man or a woman is powerful and effective. So seek out the splash zone of his presence. You may, in fact, get wet. <clears throat> um, those are some other takeaways. Uh, but may, in closing, may your vision be sharp and precise. May the winds of heaven fill your lungs with inspiration, and may the color and the mysteries of eternity color your pathway. So thanks so much for your time. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.